0: Hello, everyone. This is Jim Lucy, editor in chief for Electrical Wholesale and Electrical Marketing, with the September eighth edition of today's Electrical Economy, sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit and fittings in nineteen eighty eight, and in nineteen eighty nine, developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics, meeting the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's podcast. We will explore some key weekly indicators that will give you a sense of where the electrical economy may be headed in the coming weeks and dig into some other metrics that in the construction and industrial democracy will be of interest. We will also be looking at some new construction projects that have been in the news in recent weeks and talk about utility scale energy storage, a fascinating new technology that is starting to become a reality. Let's first check out some of the weekly economic indicators that can offer an early indicator of where the market may be headed and when and where any economic turn for the better may be occurring. These five weekly indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring today's Electrical Economy for 2020. Let's look first at the unemployment claims at the state level. The weekly unemployment data from the U.S. Department of Labor and the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics highlights the states with the most unemployment claims so far in the COVID-19 crisis. This data is valuable to electrical distributors, manufacturers, and independent reps because it offers empirical evidence of just how big an issue layoffs are now at the local level. On a more positive note, when these claims start declining and establish a trend in a more positive direction, it will be a clue for you about when the economy in that state may be starting to improve. The most recent weekly unemployment rate was 9.1% for the week ending August 22nd, a decrease of 0.8 percentage point from the previous week's unrevised rate. By a pure claims count, in the week ending August 29th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted and additional claims was eight hundred and eighty-one thousand, a decrease of one hundred and thirty thousand from the previous week's revised level. The states with the most new unemployment claims for the week ending August 29th were California. 236,874, New York with 63,355, Texas 56,759, Georgia 50,498, and Florida 39,335. As you can see by these numbers, the unemployment claims rate is still astronomically high by any other recent measures, but we are seeing some improvement. One of the more interesting Le- leading indicators for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, which publishes this data weekly at www.aar.org. Total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 508,307 carloads and intermodal units, that's down 6.2% compared with the same week last year. When measured on a monthly basis, combined U.S. carloads and intermodal units in August 2020 were one one hundred eighty one, which is down 5.8% or 123,682 carloads and intermodal units from August 2019. In August 2020, two of the 20 carload commodity categories tracked by the AAR each month saw carload gains compared with August 2019. They were grain, which was up 4,683 carloads or 5.6%, and farm products excluding grain, which was up 168 carloads or 5%. I thought the comment from AAR Senior Vice President John Gray added some interesting color to their weekly rail traffic report. For U.S. railroads, August 2020 was the best month in terms of intermodal loadings since October 2018, and the fifth best intermodal month ever, he said in the report. Much of what's inside the trailers and containers on an intermodal train ends up on the shelves of stores or finds its way to consumer stores via e-commerce merchants. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes recount, which tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. This data is available by the state, basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. It's been the same story on the number of oil rigs operating in the United States. The decline has flattened a bit, but the number of operating rigs compared to last year are still trending downward. The total rig count that includes both oil and gas rigs stands at 222, which is down approximately 70% from this time last year. That's a drop of 518 operational rigs. The Permian Basin in Texas accounted for the largest portion of this this decrease, with a decline of 302 rigs. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a sense of just how many of the large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma, and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. There wasn't any big change in oil prices, but the price for a barrel of the benchmark West Texas Intermediate oil has ticked up a few dollars in a barrel in recent weeks to $42 and $43 dollars a barrel. It still is a long way to go to get to a price where drillers make money. That varies by region, but a good rule of thumb is $60 per barrel. Economists like to call copper Dr. Copper. That's because it's a leading economic indicator for future economic activity because it's used in so many industries. The construction industry is among the leading markets because of its use in wire and cable and copper plumbing pipe. Since our last presentation in the third week of August, copper has made a strong move above the $3 per pound, a level they haven't seen since June of 2018. One of the more encouraging economic forecasts for the electrical market is the Purchasing Management Index published monthly by the Institute for Supply Management. It's a monthly survey of industrial purchasing managers about the market conditions they see a few months out. The August PMI hit 56%, which is a 1.8 percentage points from the July reading of 54.2% and well over the 50 point mark indicating improving business conditions. Another bit of good economic news comes from the National Electrical Manufacturers Association, where their monthly Electro Electro Industry Business Conditions Index, or EBCI, registers strong gains for both current and future business conditions. It's very encouraging to hear that senior executives at electrical manufacturers are feeling so much better about business conditions in the electrical market. The year-to-date and monthly construction data isn't looking too positive right now. The latest report from Dodge Data Analytics said non-residential construction was down 25% year-to-date through July. But even with a significant decline like this, you can still find a few large construction projects of interest, as you can see on the chart. Check out that large hospital project in the approval process at Ohio State University. The 1.9 million square foot Wexner Medical Center is estimated to have a total contract value of almost $1.8 billion. When you figure that electrical work can be uh, using a very rough rule of thumb about 10% of a typical project total cost. That's close to 180 million electrical job. That's a lot of electrical products being sold for, for that project. The billion dollar fourth Ward fourth Ward project in Atlanta, which will have a 300,000 square foot new headquarters for Mailchimp, it was a massive mixed use project in the news recently. That's was the billion dollar Gigafactory that Texas is now building in the Austin Texas market, and is expected to employ thousands of industrial workers. As you can see in the chart on the slide, there's also a large mixed-use project underway in San Diego, two new data centers, either planned or underway in Nashville and Totowa, New Jersey, two hospital projects planned in Orlando and Tampa, and several large solar projects planned in Indiana and the state of Washington. I'm working on an article about utility-scale battery storage for the next issue of electrical marketing, and I thought I would offer listeners a sneak preview of what I learned about the upcoming market opportunities here. Most of us have heard about the surge in construction over the last few years of utility-scale wind farms and solar installations. They produce thousands of megawatts of green renewable power, but for the most part, these facilities have to pump this electricity directly onto their local electrical grids because they don't have any place to store it. That's no longer the case because of advances in lithium-ion battery storage technology. On August 31st, NextEra Energy announced a series of energy storage projects in California that could nearly double the installed capacity of battery storage available in the U.S. right now. And on July 21st, PG&E and Tesla began construction of a 182.5 megawatt lithium-iron battery energy storage system at PG&E's electric substation in in the Moss Landing facility in Monterey County. Also a report at Yahoo.com said that NextEra has a current pipeline of nearly 2,000 megawatts of shovel-ready or near-shovel-ready battery energy storage projects in California. This chart lists some of the larger battery storage facilities that will be constructed at solar fields or wind farms over the next few years. As you can see, many of them are in California because of that state's energy regulations requiring the use of energy storage systems. But the technology will spread and it's worth watching, particularly for any electrical companies that provide grid interconnection equipment or services for these renewable facilities. These battery storage systems will allow utilities to store power for when they need it, and they will be a major resource in the years to come. This concludes the market data portion of our presentation for today. A special thanks to the folks from Champion Fireclass for sponsoring today's Electrical Economy podcast series in 2020. While you're working on your electrical sales forecast for 2021, you might find yourself in need of some additional local data. Check out Electrical Marketing. An annual subscription for only $99 will give you online access to, electrical sales estimates at the metro, county and state level, electrical product sales estimates for 17 product categories at the state level, access to a construction database with hundreds of projects, and building permits at the state and local level, as well as other information on unemployment rates and gross metropolitan product. That subscription to electrical marketing will only cost $99 per year. You can subscribe to by going to www.electricalmarketing.com. Just click on the menu icon at the top left of the homepage and click on Magazine subscription. Just contact me if there's any other type of economic data you would like me to cover in the future podcast. And thanks again to the folks at Champion Fireblush for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy series of podcasts. Our next presentation will be on Monday, September 21st. Have a great day.